Hello, welcome to Pod Rocket. I'm Kate, the producer of Pod Rocket. With me today is Johnny Barsico. Hi, Johnny. How's it going? It goes. It goes. Happy to be here. And a lot of uh, our listeners have probably heard Johnny's voice. He is on the Go Time FM podcast. I know I have heard your voice a lot. Um, thanks for joining us. Happy to be here. And hi, and then uh, Paul, our engineer at Log Rocket. Hi, Paul. How's it going? Good. Happy to be here. Thanks for joining. Um, yeah, so today we want to talk about uh, all things Go. So, um, Paul, you want to take it away? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, I mean, why don't we start with how you got into Go, Johnny? Like, why did you, uh, why did it keep your interest? Like, there's, I don't know, there's so many languages out there. Why Go? That is true. There is no shortage of languages to pick from these days. Um, uh, go, let me see. I came into Go um when I was doing at the time when I was doing a lot of Ruby development, um, so the the uh, I had gotten comfortable and, and used to sort of the the nice expressive way of, of doing Ruby and and um, there were a def- dozen different ways to do any one thing. So you know, like these days, I think that's that's more of a con than a pro. But uh, you know, I digress. Um, the the uh, basically I had gotten comfortable, right? I, I think part of it was was I was looking for. The sort of the, the next challenge uh, professionally, uh, like I used to sort of pick up um, generally a new language, a new programming language uh, every one or two years, just to you know, keep myself um, sort of always learning that kind of thing. And uh, I had gotten comfortable with Ruby for like three three years prior to that, and uh, I was sort of ready for my next my next language. And then uh, um, I saw Go, and a friend of mine who also was a uh, is a very prominent in the Ruby community, or at least was at the time. Uh, he's also doing Go now. Um, he started. Uh, uh, he said, "Hey, check out check out Go. You might actually like it." And uh, the first thing that that sort of jumped out was like, "Okay, I'm 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 used to like I left the statically typed you know programming language world prior to you know jumping into Ruby, and and you know I'm, I like my dynamic types. I, I like my being able to sort of a uh, you know work without." You know types and and you know not constraining myself because sometimes I'm experimenting. I just want you know like I, I need to I can worry about right the type safety concerns oh, and you know like it gives you like on. creative freedom, right? You can kind exactly. of just jump right into an idea. Exactly, exactly, part. exactly. Yeah, and no, and when I saw Go, I was like, uh, okay, this is gonna be a a change um, from what I'm I've gotten comfortable with. Um, but the moment I, I started playing around with it, it felt like I was it was it was the first sort of a statically type programming language that I used. Um, you, know, you know, like with a compiler that didn't take a long time to compile my code, right? It felt like the feedback cycle, right? From the time I wrote the code to the time I said, okay, go build, right? Um, uh, or go run. To, to, the feedback cycle was so quick, right? That I was like, this kind of feels like I'm scripting a little bit, right? This is this this doesn't feel like I, you know, like when I do Java or when I do, you know, um, C or something like that, where the the depending on the size of the program, it might take a while before I get, you know, that feedback. Like I, this actually can feel like more like scripting, right? So I started, you know, playing around with it. I started building, you know, command line uh, tools with it. Something it's very very good at, by the way. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, from that point on, I was hooked. Any any chance I got to 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 use Go on any project, uh, um, on any team, like I, I'd start using. And sooner or later, you know, other people around me started getting curious. What, what is this? What is this language you're using? Um, yeah, I'd sneak it into <laughs> to uh, to companies I worked at and stuff like that. And sooner or later, people started uh, picking up on it as well. I'm like, okay, there's something here. Right, right? planting seeds. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. And it's been like this was back in ooh, maybe 2013, 2014. Um, yeah. So it's been it's been a minute. That, that's, uh, been, yeah. that's been a minute. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Do, do you think the 
adopt like Go is good for teams because of its modularity or like because of how easy to, it can be to get into if you are in the right mindset. Like, because that's one thing with JavaScript, right? It's like modules everywhere. If you're using Node, it's like really easy. It's like big plugs. Um, so that's why I relate that as a strength for JavaScript for teams. Like, why would you say where where is Go fit in there? Mm -hmm. So the the over the course of my career, which I'm grateful I'm running, I'm coming up on or have have been like 25, 25 plus years now. Um, I've been uh, um, on many teams over the years and worked at uh, uh, lots of different companies of different shapes and sizes. And uh, I've got to I've gotten to experience right uh, what happens when when uh, you 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 bring teams on up on new technology um, or sort of a where, where, where are the stumbling blocks? Where, where do they struggle? Where do they excel? Uh, and, and Go was kind of the first language where the, the, the code that a, a newbie developer, right? Um, uh, and also a developer who's experienced, but learning, doing Go for the first time, right? Uh, two, two different uh, approaches, right? Um, two different style of, of, of um, sort of design and, and, and sort of thinking through code. But, even though you had these sort of different experience levels, these different competency levels with the language, I could look at Go code. If if I have a, a, a new a newbie developer who is actually writing Go code in an idiomatic way, yeah, idiomatic being like, okay, this is these are the the this is these are the ways we we write Go code, right? Um, you know, you can write Go code that doesn't quite look like Go code, and we'll get into that a little later. But right, if, if I'm if I'm following sort of the community idioms, um, whether I'm an experienced developer who's been writing Go for five years or more, or I'm a new developer who's mastered the idioms, right? But I'm still learning. I'm still wrapping my head around everything Go can do for me, right? It'll Sometimes it's almost indistinguishable, right? Whose code you're looking at. But part of that is because Go has been written in a way, Go development is done in such a way that it's the same sort of approach, the same style, it's the same approach. The, the error handling um, is, is done in a very similar way there's there's no there's no you know i alluded to this earlier in ruby there's like a half a dozen ways to do any one thing and go there are much fewer right so you that when you read that code whether a newbie or an experience you can actually just make sense of it right so that was one of the sort of the key things that i saw with teams adopting go that everybody got to be productive very very quickly i didn't wait for somebody to, to be experienced for a year or two or three years before they started producing good 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 go code right I, I can get somebody you know trained up in three to four months and then they'll be just as effective as somebody who's been doing it for a year or two what would you say like what are you what would you say are some of those like higher reaching things that go helps bring bring down for, mm -hmm. for new developers one of the sort of the biggest things um you you run across especially if you if you come from um sort of a scripting world such as you know python and, and, and ruby and whatnot um where dealing with concurrency you kind of have to jump through hoops so to have concurrent ruby programs or concurrent uh, python programs i don't know how how much that has changed over the years and i haven't been in that community for too long but um it, it, it the the trying to scale such programs right um but uh, through concurrent um sort of processes or, or threads or whatever you know fibers whatever mechanism these these different technologies have um it, it's it's a much higher barrier to entry right than it is in the world of go in the world of go the concurrency primitives are built into the language i don't have to have a separate framework um the the uh, once you understand some fundamental concepts the 
it's it's easier, right? In my opinion, right, to to start doing concurrent Go uh, than it is to try and get the same benefits from you know coming from a dynamic uh, programming language environment, right? Um, again, there are frameworks that make that process a little easier that you don't have to fiddle with the bits too much. But with when you're writing Go. You're not going through a framework. You're not going through, uh, um, you know, a black box. You know, you have you have your go routines, and you invoke, you know, functions with a go keyword. Um, you have communication and synchronization that happens between go routines. You know, with, with the same set of keywords. You know, your selects, your channels, and then you know, interacting uh, back and forth between those different threads of execution. So it's, a, it's a, the primitives are all part of the language, and they're they're right there for you to use. So it's it's once you kind of uh, wrap your head around if you've never done multi-threaded programming and you start doing it and go, um, uh, or if you've done it in other programming languages and you come and start to do it, do it in Go, it's a breath of fresh air. You're like, oh my goodness, this is, it makes it accessible. It makes concurrency accessible, right, to, to those who are still learning. And concurrency is usually this big black box of magic that's kind of like everybody puts their toe into mm -hmm. and very few come out, you know, like unscathed. <laughs> unscathed. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, unless you really know what you're doing. Yeah. Um, yeah, that I mean, that sounds very enticing to me also coming from like having written very concurrent program that should not have been in Python in Python. So, you know, that sounds great. That sounds really good. Um, so one other language I'm sure that you've heard about is Rust, right? And these are both system languages. So can you give us the, the quick like elevator speech on like your differences in your mind? Uh, so so the so I must preface my, my answer with 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 uh, the notion that even though Go was, I think, way back in the day, was originally presented as a as a systems uh, language, I'd argue that today is is much much less um, the case, right? Yes, you could you could write low level uh, system software with Go, um, but if given a choice between doing so in Rust or in Go, I would prefer to write sort of a low-level systems, you know, basically writing an operating system, for example. I, I would not pick Go to do that with. I would pick Rust, right? Because of the way it, it deals with the memory and, and the borrow checker and all those things that it sort of a, a gives you right out of the box to make sure you're writing really safe and secure programs. Um, I would I would rather use that tool for that job than use uh, um, Go, right? Where Go shines is in dealing with anything at the network layer and above, right? So any anytime you have to have uh, um, sort of a, um, services talk to each other, um, um, you know, over TCP, right, exchanging packets and things like that, or uh, um, anytime you have to write a service that talks to another service, it'd be with gRPC, or you talk in plain HTTP, uh, or you, you need you need sort of a long list services within your infrastructure um, that are sort of a quick to deploy, quick to build, quick to manage and operate, right, from 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 an SRE standpoint. The, the really, I think, the networked application world is really where Go um, does brilliantly, right? Things like writing uh, message message queues, um, even some databases are built built in, in Go. Um, yeah, Kubernetes, like the you know, the poster child for Go, I would say. Um, you know that 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 is really where it, it shines, right? That is, you know, so in that in, in that sense. You know the the old adage of you know use the right tool for the job kind of thing in, in our space. I think it is is really sort of a shines there. You know for these two different languages, I think they have the uh, the, the the place for each one of them. I feel like that's the most satisfying answer I've gotten for that question. <laughs> it really like helps distinguish them between like they're both system languages with different features. That kind of puts them in the same weird box. Um, right. So yeah, we could consider Rust more systemsy and Go network layer, and up. Mm -hmm. that's where it shines. Yep, so, cool. absolutely. Um, 
So when when I one thing I think about Rust that I love about Rust is it, it's a systems language, but when you use it, you can do functional style stuff. You can mm -hmm. do these like maps and all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would love to know what you think about function as a service style applications because mm -hmm. I don't know what those are. But when I saw that you were into that, I was thinking, wow, that sounds like functional programming. So am I completely off when I think about um, that? Um, the, the interesting enough, you're not, you're not completely off, but depending on the context, right, um, it, 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 it's important to sort of... Um, Sort of a pull on, on, on the different threads, the nuance a little bit, right? So the the you can do sort of in traditional the functional programming sense, you 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 can you can do some to some degree you can do functional programming style, right? Uh, um, 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 coding with with Go, right? Um, functions are first class citizens. Um, the 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 where you might run into trouble is some optimization, tail optimization. Uh, Go is not really sort of designed for that style programming, right? It, it's more along the lines of the imperative style where, you know, it's very C-like. So it's it's, not, it's never going to compete with, with true functional programming languages, right? It's not it's not built and optimized for that, right? Now, if we, if we go much higher up the stack where we start talking about, you know, functions as a service, you know, as you mentioned, that's a completely different um, sort of world, or even though you're dealing in sort of a, at the unit level, right, of a function, right, uh, which could be an entry point for, you know, triggering a whole bunch of other things, right? When we talk about functions, even though these things are supposed to be small, I've seen very large functions that run, you know, as, as functions as a, in, in a, a function as a service environment. Um, I've seen entire Java applications <laughs> packaged up, you know, as what's supposed to be like a very small kind of thing. But I, again, I digress. Um, but in in the sort of a, the quote unquote serverless world, right, where where you have you know where functions as a service sort of dominates, and that's the sort of a that's the thing. That's you know you you create those functions and you deploy them and you invoke them when you need them, and when they're not running, they're they're tucked away somewhere. They you know you don't pay for them to run. Um, the then when you the next time on, uh, you need to use them, you invoke uh, them whether it, it's some event that happens within your within your infrastructure, um, uh, or you know you using some sort of API gateway to trigger those functions to wake up. Right. So there's 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 a part of the uh, the infrastructure where the, the there's there's some sort of uh, operational aspects where something is gonna grab your code. Right. Put it in the container. Spin up that container. You know and, and Make make sure it's 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 secure and and there's you know it doesn't have access to what it doesn't have you know shouldn't have access to and nothing can peer into it and kind of you know, these these sort of operational concerns and then it basically controlled then gets handed over to your code which basically is your function it's it's your executable it's a go executable uh, since you're talking about go and then uh, basically you know whatever data is sent into as input right gets handed over to your application it does its thing sends back a result. That infrastructure takes care of sending that result back to whatever client right needs it, and then your function, your code, you know, gets tucked away again, right? Gets put away again until the next time it's invoked, right? So that whole world of function as a service and serverless and that kind of thing, um, and you have those, you know, with every cloud vendor, you know, um, Azure and you know GCP and AWS and all that stuff. It's kind of like um, Lambda, right? That's the thing. We're yeah, exactly. Yeah, AWS is a name for it. It's Lambda, and and you have cloud functions and et cetera, et cetera. Yep. Those, yeah. So those are slightly different um, contexts uh, and explanations right. for. The, for the functions um, um, argument. Yep. Gotcha. Um, so why don't we pivot a little bit from strictly talking about Go and mm -hmm. uh, talk about what you did at Heroku mm -hmm. uh, and your experience at Heroku. Uh, so mm -hmm. could you tell us like when you started there and, and uh, the first project you kind of started working on? Yeah. So 
I joined Heroku two years and wow, I think it's like nine months or something now. Um, so yeah, I've been there for 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 a little while, um, and uh, it's been man, it's been it's been a wild ride. Um, Heroku, as 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 you know, and probably a lot of uh, your audience will know, is 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 loved by all. <laughs> it's 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 one of those sort of fun foundational services, right? It's been around for forever. Um, you know, it makes it super easy for for developers to just uh, throw something up and, and and quickly, you know, sort of uh, ideate on something and you know, like get an MVP out the door and and build you know their business or you know like run things for companies. I mean, it, it tries to encapsulate and sort of make it very easy to sort of just run your software in the cloud um, with a, a, as little ceremony as possible, right? So, which is very different from the the trying to roll your own sort of Heroku like thing, like you know, platform as a service, which is the category of of, of a cloud software that Heroku falls into. You know, Paz, um, trying to create your own platform as a service on on top of things like a Kubernetes, right? Whereby you try to we might try to replicate the same experience, the developer experience, right, uh, internally at your company or something like that. If you're big enough, um, you know, basically trying trying to replicate that experience, which is what I think a lot of people try to do these days. They try to replicate like a Heroku like a developer experience on top of their own sort of infrastructure, you know, where they've orchestrated things in Kubernetes, and, and they're finding that is very very hard to, to do. <laughs> Heroku had had many many has had many many years to perfect that whole that whole thing, and and we are exceedingly good at it right so when people try to do the same thing and they find like okay this is not as easy as it looks right so going into that world where i was a customer of heroku even before i started working on heroku was kind of kind of a dream come true i was like man now i get to see you know how the sausage is made now i get to see you know how all these things are put together and um, and i'll tell you it is it is a magical world of of i mean Today, you talk about microservices and everything, and that, that kind of became popular uh, at some point. I don't know if it's popular anymore, or if people have moved on to the next, whatever new hotness is, maybe blockchain or something. But um, the, 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 I mean, Heroku had, has, right, a true microservices environment where you have so many components doing a very specific job, and all of them are talking together, right, and exchanging messages and information to make the sort of the magic of using Heroku happen, right? And, and, and man, it, it is it is truly like something like I've never seen before. It is it is quite a sort of a, a wonder, right? Te- technical wonder to sort of marvel. And my part in it, when I joined, I joined as a, as a site reliability engineer, um, which is, uh, it's kind of a way of, of basically, you know, because SRE is kind of, kind of uh, you'll find that different companies uh, use the term SRE to mean kind of slightly different things, right? depending on where they are and sort of matru- the maturity sort of spectrum for for their in their operations. Um, the the when I joined as an SRE, basically I was I was going there to solve a very specific set of problems um, the, with regards to sort of a adoption of SRE practices because Heroku basically predates the whole term, right? That that whole notion of SRE, like it predates all these things. So and Heroku has been around for ages. Surely they got SRE right by some other name. They should have. Surely they had it right. They got it right. Right. Otherwise, they wouldn't be in business. So my job was to go in and basically say, "Hey, I'm gonna come slap the big blue book from Google and at you and say, hey, this is how we do SRE. We're gonna change all the things.' Right. That that was very humbling when I went in there. I'm like, wow, these people know what they're doing. Right. My job as an SRE is going to be to identify 
the areas where we can improve some things, where we where we can reduce, you know, some some latency in this thing because of, of some operational process that was designed a few years ago, and and now some 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 updates have been made, and we need to sort of identify where, where those uh, friction points are and, and and grease the wheels a little bit, make this thing a little faster, or maybe we have some written processes and procedures that that uh, have gotten fallen out of date, and uh, maybe whoever you know uh, was in charge of them, whatever team owned that process or 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 service set of services, maybe they've moved on. Maybe they got really allocated and sometimes people leave companies and things, right? So my job was to make, basically make sure that the, the, the center of excellence, right, that, that we have at Heroku basically continued to be excellent, right? So basically providing my input where it made, it made sense and, and improving things where they made sense, not really to sort of blow, blow the whole thing up and sort of restart over, really to identify areas of improvement and i learned a ton from from that experience um and that actually led to me writing you know uh, um uh, some some articles about it you know presenting at qcon i think was that last year man the pandemic's like throwing my 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 time my time thing yeah um you know i had uh, the 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 i'm super grateful I had the opportunity to to talk to a qcon audience um uh, about my experience there and it's been it's been an incredible journey these days i'm doing more observability work right now i'm, I'm in a platform observability team where basically you know, again this is a continuation of sort of uh, that sre sort of journey that i've been on at heroku whereby now i'm identifying i'm, I'm trying to provide teams uh, my team and i right we're trying to provide teams sort of visibility into every nook and cranny of the, of the platform right identify where the bottlenecks are identify where there's room for improvement you know uh, setting up slos for certain things making sure that we're delivering the best possible experience for our customers so it's like a country continuation and in it man it is a yeah, that spectrum is it's it's there's so much to do every day. It's it's, it's amazing. You really must gotta be intimately familiar with how the bones of the system are put Ooh, together. Not even not even close. I mean, Roku is is a giant machine of interconnected parts, and if I'm lucky on any given day, I may interact with one, two, at best three pieces right of, of this giant machine there are a lot of things that work uh, like clockwork to to bring the kind of uh, experience that we bring and a lot of times sometimes we don't we don't get it right right and outages still happen right um or, or when aws is having problems uh, sometimes you know sometimes that cascades and then we have issues too right so a lot of times something happened because you know of, of sort of the, the primitives that we're, we run our, our software our services on, on top of um other times it's it's internal processes that need to be improved um for for us to catch a particular problem that might have uh, uh, that we didn't anticipate or 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 certain a knob we need to tweak here because there's more um, um sort of a pressure on, on this service and we anticipated now we need to you know throw more hardware added or something like that right so it's basically identifying as the sort of the the, the truck is rolling down the highway trying to figure out, okay, which tire needs more air pressure, <laughs> which, which tire completely blew off. Now we got to, we got to replace it, you know, as, as the, tr you know, as the truck is rolling down the highway kind of thing. So it's been, it, it's, it's, it's an amazing journey. So you're having, you're, you really like are having a good time and you're learning a lot. Like, I am. I am learning a lot. Um, it's, it's every day there's something you to learn and, and my team, they, 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 they tolerate me asking all kinds of you know, silly questions and saying, where do I find this thing? And they're like, you know, very gently and say, oh, yeah, this is the thing you worked on last week that, you know, connects to this and this and that. I'm like, oh, OK, I get it. You know? <laughs> so it's been, you know, I'm learning a ton every day. Nice. So I'm going to talk more about the community stuff. <laughs> um, um, so I, was just, I actually just listened to um, a GoTime uh, FM episode 
um, you're talking, you were talking about how you kind of like, uh, where you created a meetup in Baltimore when there was already a meetup and they kind of merged together. Um, I guess I'm curious kind of, uh, what does that meetup look like? And, um, you know, what do you have planned for, uh, you know, the future? So the, the meet, the meetup story, it, it, me and meetups, we have, we have a, a an interesting relationship. <laughs> um, I, I, back in Boston, um, and this was the Boston meetup, by the way, that, that, that I started a go meetup in Boston and come to find out that, that there was one, well, I did my research. I'm like, okay, like I'm looking around, uh, this was, I can't even remember, this is how long ago, but I'm looking around and saying, Hey, like I, I want to meet other people who are also, you know, enthusiasts of, of Go. Like, where do I go to to do that? And I, I couldn't find an, any active um, sort of boards or, or or meetups or anything like that. So I'm like, okay, I'm, you know, I, I found one, but it hadn't had a meeting in like I don't know, eight months or something. I'm like, okay, fine, uh, I'm just gonna start one. I started one, and then uh, within about I don't know a month or two, um, I heard from somebody who uh, the 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 organizer of the other meetup that was seemingly dormant. And uh, he's like, hey, we had a meetup. I'm like, okay, oh, okay, cool. I'm like, well, I'm not going to shut mine down because yours was inactive. So how about we team up? <laughs> how about we team up and, uh, and, and revive this whole thing and, and, and sort of uh, get it going again? And that's what we did. Um, you know, we got together uh, and, and we created a game plan for what are we going to do? How are we going to have uh, talks and speakers and things? And at the time, the there was a, a, a small... The Go community was actually quite smaller, relatively speaking, to what it is now, and there weren't a, a ton of people who um, could, you know, give talks about Go and things. You know, the, the first uh, conference had even the first GopherCon, which is the big, you know, our, our big sort of industry conference, uh, it hadn't even occurred yet, it hadn't even happened yet. Um, so it was still very early days, and uh, basically we were like, okay, well, let's let's still get you know enthusiasts together, right, and, and talk about Go, and and that's exactly what we did. And fast forward a few years, uh, I relocated from Boston down to down to, 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 to the um, Washington DC metro area um, where I currently reside and uh, there was no there was a, my closest metro area is Baltimore and there was no go meet up there either right I found one I found some for JavaScript I found some for Ruby like all the sort of other languages and stuff in communities I was familiar with but there was no nothing for go and I was like okay then I guess I'm gonna I'm gonna start one here too so I did and it's been it's been wow well, what five five years yeah it's been five plus years now um and yeah we still keep it going and uh, um you know the pandemic definitely um changed our our approach to running these meetups uh it used to be that you know in the first years of every month you know we had like you know 10 12 people uh, at a minimum show up and and we talk about you know like in the same room together and everything gosh i can't remember the last time we did that um and then uh, yeah we talk go and and you know uh, whenever we didn't have speakers i'd go up there and say hey this is the code i've been working on um anybody care to you know ask questions thing so I, I started making it i started making something you know like especially for 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 uh, um uh, new speakers which is something that's important to me like i a lot of times you know you go to uh, meetups or you go to conferences or you attend online events it's always the same set of people right if you spend like you know six months to a year within a, a, a technology community you're always going to find it's the same set of people right producing most of the content right it's the same it's the same faces you see on, on, on you know at the podium it's the same sort of uh, faces you see you know creating youtube videos it's, it's the same group of people and i'm like on okay 
podcasts, yeah, and podcasts and things. <laughs> and not and as I say that, I'm, I'm realizing, okay, I'm one of those same faces, right? You're, you're, so I'm like, this is this is like a problem, right? So I'm like, okay, we we need we need fresh blood, right? How how do we get fresh blood right into the community? How do we get more voices, right? How do we get a, a diversity, right, of 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 opinions and approaches and things like that, right? And and to me, like basically creating an opportunity right within within the meetup context right it says hey if you'd like to give a talk i will sit down with you i will help you come up with a talk if you have you know fear and and, and hesitation and trepidation and, and you don't want to go up there even if it's in, in front of your 10 closest peers or whatever it is like we will get to this together i will help you you know fashion something and it doesn't have to be long it can be five minutes 10 minutes 15 minutes right and you can work your way up right to a conference uh, talk right and we were successful at doing at, with that model right you know we'd have we'd have a combination of talks um a, a beginner oriented and a more advanced um sort of a, a talk you know every time we we, we got together and, and 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 met and it's been sort of a very rewarding experience you know both when i did it in boston and when i you know when i'm doing it now in in, in baltimore obviously you know the challenges of the pandemic had, have have made sort of a, a attendance and and these things which is as a meetup organizer you're gonna run across these things right some some months attendance is, is high some it's low so but you ride that wave right um and and yeah leading up to conferences of uh, what, like GopherCon I mentioned earlier um, is sort of the big, the big one. The one we used to have it in Denver. I think recently we just um, we, it was online, right? The last the last two years it's been online. Obviously, again because of the pandemic, the pandemic. <laughs> You know, and, and yeah, helping people, you know, um, as, as a chair you know, of that conference, you know, you know, finding the, the, the speakers, giving people who've never spoken before an opportunity to get in front of a large audience and, and speak and things. So this ties into sort of a, my 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 sort of personal mission within the Go community, which has always been to try and open doors for 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 people, right? Try and open doors for for, for um, those that are new to the language, new to the community, right? Trying to make it a welcoming environment, right? That if you are interested in this technology um that you are going to find people that are helpful and welcoming right it's not like going on stack overflow and you answer a question somebody comes in and you know <laughs> comes in and slaps you in the wrist you know why did you not read the docs or something like that right so you know basically trying to take a slightly different approach and trying to make it a bit more welcoming of, of an environment so which is something something that's definitely important to me making the social engagement is awesome like the best way to learn programming is just sitting down with somebody and talking yeah. i feel like it's it's very common for learning languages i know i do you sit in a chair by yourself mm -hmm. and you just read and stuff but yeah he's, right. going to a conference that was awesome i've never been to a programming conference i gotta check what? check yours out when it, when it when it comes by yeah 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 i gotta do it i mean that yeah. that that is that is to me to me you, you can pick up a new technology and sit down and learn it and read the docs or whatever it is and become effective heck even become great at it right um but you're missing out if you're not sort of connecting with other people because we don't do things and i isolate at least i'd like to think that most of us prefer uh not to be isolated right uh, in one way or another um with with the greater community in which we are attached right through these technologies so the the i think a lot of times it's sort of sort of the hesitation you know that that comes from basically maybe you know you, you were part of a community before and maybe you, you raised your hand and somebody slapped you you know your, your wrist down because you know because you asked a you know quote unquote stupid question or something like that or maybe you know you went to a conference and no you know you were kind of in the corner a little timid and and nobody came and approached you and said hey hey how you doing uh, I'm welcome you know I'm I'm Johnny what's your name what do you do for this like things like that right so to me like I I I place an emphasis on on that level of de detail, 
right? To me, it's going to a conference or going to a meetup, even if I'm not the organizer or whatever it is, it's going there and, and trying to spot, okay, who's shy, who's timid, right? Who, who's, who is, has, has taken a huge leap, right? And actually being present and in the room, right? But needs, needs a hand, needs a little bit extra help, right? To, to more fully ingrain themselves as part of the community, right? Who are those people? Who can I talk to, right? And, and make feel welcome here, right? So to me, these are the things that matter because at the end of the day, like I have friends that 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 uh, cross te- technological boundaries. I have friends from the Ruby world. I have friends, you know, in Java world. I have fr- like I've I've nurtured and kept those relationships, right? Because it's always been about the people, not about the tech. They over the course of your career, you will do more than JavaScript. You'll do more than Ruby, more than Python, more, whatever the next hotness is, right? If you if if you happen to be as lucky as I am and have a twenty five plus year career, you will use a lot of different technologies, right? But the relationships. Right, the, the 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 people you meet along the way, the, the those relationships you invest in, oh, you got to do it. You got to do it, which is why you got to go to a conference, man. You got to show up and mingle and get to know people. You got to do that stuff. Especially the Gopher Con because it's a go. You have a Gopher. I love that. Yeah. I love that branding. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, yeah, yeah. I go for plushies and all that stuff. You can get one of those. Oh, those are cute. Those are always a hit, especially around kids. <laughs> My kids love those things. Awesome. Um, yeah, I guess one more question before we go. Um, I'm curious, uh, so I know Go has come up when we're coming up with topics for our blog, podcast. Um, it seems like that list is getting longer each year. And um, when we ask our engineers, you know, is this a good topic? Um, everyone's like, oh, I need to, oh, this is, looks awesome. I need to check it out. Do you feel that with... Um, like growing this meetup, this community, do you feel, do you feel it getting bigger and more popular or is that just, uh, cause I'm kind of on the outside. Um, are you, are you saying in terms of the, the sheer volume of content, um, available now for people to learn or. Yeah. Just not, just like content and, um, I guess, yeah, projects specifically. Well, there's no, certainly there is no shortage of projects, um, sort of, um, born every day right within within this community and obviously that's a good sign of of a thriving community right you have more more people um, coming in more adoption and uh, lots of different ideas that those of us you know who've been doing it for a while have probably were probably busy with our with our day jobs and things and and you know a lot of people are coming in with brand new ideas and fresh ideas and implementations and i'm like okay like i, I see like look, i have a, i have a google alert for every for for the um the word golang so anytime anything golang shows up you know i, I get an email uh, about it and, and i see a lot of uh, blog posts a lot of articles a lot of people talking about hey go is great for this go is great for that whatever it is so i get to see a lot of that stuff come in um maybe i'm you know a sucker of punishment <laughs> i'm getting all those emails i'm going through all those things but this is my way of keeping a pulse on sort of a the the the, the, the thriving right uh, community and, and how how much it's grown over the years and not that you mentioned it one of the things that newbies to 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 the go community uh, um sort of find intimidating is as you say the sheer volume right of projects and content and learn in learning that they feel like they have to do right because there's just so much out there like you know six seven years ago i didn't have that problem because there was a handful of of, of 
reliable sources I could go to 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 learn, right? Other than reading the documentation, reading the spec or whatever it is, reading the docs, you know, on, on Golang.org, um, you know, like that was enough, right, uh, to get me going. But these days, you come in and there's like you know YouTube channels, there's there's free code camps, there's this and that. It's just so much stuff, and it's like, okay, where do I start? And 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 I get folks in in my Twitter DMs, you know, virtually every week saying, hey. Um, uh, thanks for the podcast. I came across you on the podcast or something like that. Or, oh, oh you, you gave a talk at this and thank you so much, whatever it is. Like, like I know there's a lot of stuff out there and I know I shouldn't be coming to you and asking you where do I start because there's so much start, you know, things, so many things out there. But it is that very thing that has made it intimidating, right, to get started, right? The getting started is always the hard part because you don't know where to get started because there's so much stuff out there as a beginner, right? So if you are a beginner, right, and this is me speaking to your audience, if you are a beginner and and, and you do want to get into Go development, uh, I'd say the first the first uh, place to go is to go to go.dev, right? Um, that's going to drop you into sort of a... Um, um, that's going to give you a starting place, right? Um, that's going to give you a sense of, okay, uh, um, um, this is what the language is like. Uh, it's going to link you off, you know, to the Go tour. It's going to link you off to some uh, um, uh, material, you know, like uh, um, popular uh, blog bloggers. And, you know, I think it even links uh, to some uh, YouTube channels or something like that. Um, but it'll also link you to a ton of books that you can get through. And again, the books can be intimidating. The way I learn, right, anything is is a mixture of, uh, books, YouTube videos, blog posts, and I'm jumping between all of them, right? I've never started and finished a book uh, completely, right, front to back uh, um, um, and go on any other tech, right? I'll read the first chapter, try some code, go watch a YouTube video, find another blog post, go to Stack Overflow. Like I'm bouncing all over the place because any one medium for too long and I get bored and, and I, need, I need something, I need a different way to consume the material. So if you're in that boat, there's nothing wrong with you. That's just the way we learn, right? We learn it a little differently. So the 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 idea is that you have that as a starting point, right? And then if you really want to start, once you once you bounce around a little bit, right? Don't try to make sense of it all at first, right? Just get a feel for the different places you can go and learn go, right? But once you're ready to take a leap now, right? Go to uh, find uh, on the Golden website. There's there's an article called Effective Go. Read that first, okay? And then. Once you're done reading that, right, you don't you need to start actually writing a little bit of Go code, right? There's another site called GoByExample.org, or is it .com or something like that? But search search Google or something like that, or, or Bing, whatever your favorite search engine is, and Go by Example. You're gonna come across that site. It's gonna give you a list, a nice, uh, um, long list, a two-page list of different concepts of the Go programming language, right? Um, you wanna you wanna know what doing concurrency in Go looks like? There's a, there's a few there's a few very short examples that, that show you that you want to know how types work. There's a few uh, examples you, you can you can you can try out with um, um, that stuff on right. So you're gonna get a sense to see snippets of code right. And what does writing these things in Go looks like? And it's very idiomatic. Um, if you learn how to write Go from these sources, you're gonna be in a very good position to be able to write Go like Gophers actually do right. But once you're once you're there though, nothing cements your learning than actually doing. Right. So find uh, maybe it's a it's a small uh, project, side project you have where you want to build a, a command line tool for it. Go is exceedingly uh, well suited for building command line tools. Build a build a, C, a small CLI project. Right. Nobody has to see it. Yeah, I know sometimes we don't want to show our stuff out into the world. You know, we're afraid somebody's going to stumble on it and criticize us to death. Right. That's OK. Nobody has to see it. Right. You should build your own you know, side project. Build yourself a, a command line tool. Build yourself a little uh, um, uh, a, a REST JSON service. 
OS, right? That runs locally. You can just run local host call in 8080 and then hit it, you know, see, see if you can get some, some information back, right? And then you're going to start to get a feel for how you write Go code, right? That's the most important thing. Get a feel for how you write Go code. And then from there, you're going to say, okay, I need to solve, right, um, a more complicated version of this particular problem, right? Then when you start searching, then the things that you're landing on are going to make more sense, right? Because you have some exposure, you know what Go code, good Go code should look like, right? You have some foundational, right, uh, um, uh, learning there, right? Now your searches become, okay, very specific. How do I do this very specific thing, right? And a lot of times you're going to end up on Stack Overflow, you're going to end up some popular blog posts, you might end up on a YouTube video, but you're learning very specific things. If you try to learn too much at, at all at once, you're going to do yourself a disservice because there's, you know, like you said, there's just so much content out there. You, you have to basically start from trying to solve a very specific problem. But before that, get that foundational stuff. Read Effective Go, right? And you might come across another uh, resource of mine that I always recommend. is um, It's called the, the the Code Review Comments. It's maintained by the Go team. It's under uh, the actual Golang uh, on, on GitHub, github.com slash Golang, right? The wiki, right, has a section there called Code Review Comments. If you want to know how actual the go uh, the, the core team right uh, on on go the people who write go and, and, and write the language itself how they recommend you actually uh, write your go code that's also a great source so once you get that foundational stuff you're good the rest is gonna be okay add a little bit of knowledge to what i know over time right don't try to learn all of it at once right get that foundational stuff first and have a problem you want to solve very cool awesome yeah and we'll include all those uh links in the show notes so definitely check those out yep. um Johnny, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on uh, Pod Rocket. We'll have you. We'd love to have you back at some point, and yeah, uh, sure thing. See you around. All right, awesome. Good to be here. Thanks for listening to Pod Rocket. Find us at Pod Rocket Pod on Twitter. Or you could always email me, even though that's not a popular option. It's brian at LogRocket.